0: Welcome to Stock Stories, episode 63. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Welcome to Stock Stories. My name is Alex and I am your host today. Stock Stories is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And we do that by studying companies in depth. We study them one by one and we're going through the entire S&P 500 and sprinkling in a few other companies in there just for fun. And the other way that we're learning on this podcast is by going over mental models. What are mental models? These are basically thought experiments. They're little tidbits of philosophy that we can apply to our lives and specifically to investing. So we cover those about once a month on the show. But the majority of the show are these case studies. And today we have another case study for you. Just like last week, we covered Zoom the IPO of Zoom and all of the excitement around that, I decided, why not, why not cover another IPO, one that I've been looking at a little bit here and there just to see kind of what's going on. Let's take a look at Pinterest. Right, Pinterest. Pinterest is another one of these bigger social media companies that is now going into the public markets. They've experienced rapid growth, a lot of user growth, and now they're selling stock to the public. So what is Pinterest? What's it all about? Well, Pinterest, first of all, is ticker symbol PINS, or PINS. And they are a social media company that is effectively a visual search engine and it's built around people looking for ideas. Pinterest is an idea-driven visual search engine. That is what they are. Where do they come from? It is a fairly new company founded in 2010 by three folks named Ben Silberman, Paul Sciarra, and Evan Sharp. And their idea was to visually catalog inspiring ideas. At first, when they started the platform, it was invite-only, but it grew to 10,000 users nine months after launch, which is pretty good to achieve that level of scale. They were working pretty hard to get people to use the platform. And I think it was interesting that they started invite-only, too. I think that kind of creates an aura of exclusivity or scarcity within the initial group, which... I think you maybe need that social proof in order to build momentum. That's kind of an interesting tactic. In 2012, they had a clause in their terms of service that allowed the right for users to sell its content, and they removed it. And I thought that was interesting when I was researching this company because all of these social media companies, they effectively make money from selling your data. And I thought it was very interesting and proactive and good-natured of the management of Pinterest to do that. The thing is, they ended up adding that clause back or adding a similar clause back to their terms and conditions because in order to make money on a social media platform, the current business model that's been proven to work, as shown by the likes of Facebook and Twitter, is that you sell data. You sell users' data in order to sell advertising, that is really the business model behind these companies and Pinterest in the end became no different so this ended up changing as far as the continual growth of Pinterest by 2013 they had over 70 million users imagine that over three years the company was founded in 2010 three years later they had over 70 million people using their platform and at this point they started receiving some private funding they received over a hundred million dollars in funding at this point, and they were valued at over a billion dollars as a company. So in three years, they went from nothing to a billion dollar company, which is nothing short of incredible. Again, I cannot emphasize enough the power of the scalability of these young tech startups is unparalleled. This is definitely not something I've seen with And of the older, more mature companies that we've studied on the podcast so far, which is usually the typical type of company that we study, this is not a company that's been around for a 100 years that is growing at 10%. This is a young, billion-dollar startup, very asset-light, just growing with huge amounts of scale because of the internet. It is an internet-based business, and not only that, but really... More so a mobile based business, too, as mobile starts to take over the format of how the internet is accessed by, by everyone. The thing is that Pinterest wasn't making any money at this point, still. They were valued at over a billion dollars and they weren't even generating revenue yet. So this had to change over time. In 2014, they finally started monetizing. And how did they, they do this? Well, you guessed it. They did it with advertising. They started generating revenue through ads. And another thing that they did in that same year was to expand internationally. So not just in the United States, but to recognize that people all over the world could use their platform over the internet and they could also sell ads to those people. Fast forward a few years to late 2018, just several months before recording this year, they had over 250 million monthly users so you can see going from 70 million in 2013 to 250 million in 2018 that's a massive jump obviously the growth rate has to slow at some point because there are a limited number of people on planet earth (laughs) that can use the product Uh, so not nearly as many as Facebook with well over a billion users But 250 million monthly active users is very impressive and indicates a very strong platform, very strong network effects. Now, marketers have access to the user data, but it's limited to a handful of companies. So even though Pinterest sells some of the data that you give to it when you're using that platform, it seems like Pinterest management is at least a little bit more concerned about the access to data they're not just going to sell it to anybody they're going to pick a handful of companies uh, like salesforce etc a variety of companies that can use that data to sell products and services but it's not going to go all out and sell it to anybody like a google or or other companies like that Uh, so that's kind of that's the kind of thing where you kind of have to as an investor and a consumer just kind of take management at their word, right? Because you're using this platform and it's literally free and it's this amazing platform, but you're, you're giving up your rights to data in exchange for that. And the terms of service could change at any time. And you may not even read that clause, uh, because it's just too long and you may not notice it. So just be aware of these things as a consumer and an investor that a lot of these social media companies, these highly scalable technology companies, they rely in order to keep the lights on. They rely heavily on access to your data in order to sell them to advertisers. And Pinterest is no different in this sense. So where do they make money from? How does Pinterest actually, generate revenue. We said ads, but okay, well, how do they put ads on their platform? In order to understand this, we first have to understand the platform itself. Now, if you've never used Pinterest, it effectively works like this. You log on to either the mobile app or the website and Pinterest is really kind of just like what I described earlier. It's a visual search engine. So you'll see a bunch of pictures in different categories on your screen. You set up a profile and you start searching for different topics. So say you're looking for a new purse for your mom for her birthday. So you'll search, oh, I'll look for purple handbags or whatever the thing is. And a bunch of those will pop up and you'll see pictures from all sorts of people. Now the users generate the content. So, You as the user, you upload photos of things that you like or things that you're looking for, maybe something that you found in the store or something you found on the street that's really intriguing to you. You take a picture of it, you upload it to Pinterest, and it has a certain category. And other people do this too. So now you see a collection of all of these purple handbags in this case. And you can look for anything. It doesn't have to be a physical product either. You can type in a concept like, uh, like Saturday or happy or some, some other non-physical thing. And you can get images that are tagged with the word or phrase that you're searching for. And when you see these, you can pin them. So this is where the pin and Pinterest comes in you can pin effectively your storing and collecting and organizing all of these items, all of these pictures, and gathering them in these different collections, which Pinterest calls your board, your Pinterest board. And a lot of people use Pinterest to find inspiration for ideas. So say you're writing a book and you want to get inspired. You might go on Pinterest and say, hey, I am looking for this kind of book or maybe this is how I want the design of the front cover of the book to be. Let me search for a certain type of design or let me look for inspirational quotes about writing and pictures or memes that relate to that. And you can pin all of those things into a category and then look at it every time that you want some inspiration. People who use Pinterest tend to be drawn to it, according to the company, tend to be drawn to it because of the, the inspiration and positivity they get for starting new ideas and starting new projects. This is something that I find pretty interesting because it's a little bit more unique than other social platforms, say different from Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, where it's actually focused more on positivity and project-based searching, project-based inspiration. So I think that there's something a little bit unique there. If people are going on Twitter, they, they may just be going on Twitter just to read news or see what a celebrity said. If people are going on Facebook, it, maybe Facebook is just part of their daily routine and they just do it by default without even thinking about why they're going on Facebook. But I think Pinterest, I think when people go on Pinterest a little bit more intentionally, I think that people want to get inspiration. They want positivity and they want ideas. They want to source ideas from others. So, I think that may be one of Pinterest's main competitive advantages as a social media company is hey they're they're more focused. people want to do things on their platform, and when companies are marketing things to them that are related to their board topics, then they might actually buy products and that's in fact what we're seeing. One interesting thing is that Pinterest within their SEC filings, they say that the ads do not compete with the content on Pinterest. The ads are the native content on Pinterest, which I thought was pretty profound in the sense that when you go on Pinterest, the ads are the things that you're actually looking for. (laughs) So it's, it's different than just an ad popping up on a website. It's not even just cleverly integrated it is what you are actually looking for if you're looking for a new drill set that is i don't know a certain brand or maybe not even a certain brand but a certain type of drill and you search for that drill a bunch of pictures will come up and some of those pictures will be will be targeted ads but it, one of those may be that drill set that you're looking for so you can go and build that new woodworking project i'm just throwing out an example pinterest has an interesting model in that they're using the network model for advertising which is nothing new but they're doing it in a way that people are actually looking for the things that advertisers want to sell them and i think this is at least true in the consumer product space one thing that i see as a challenge for pinterest in the future is how are they going to get other types of advertisers onto the platform because if you're an industrial mining company, I don't know how you would want to advertise on Pinterest. What are people going to want from you? You're creating a commodity that's going to be turned into finished goods later. You're not necessarily creating the jewelry that people want to buy. Maybe you're creating the raw, you're, you're mining the raw silver and gold that will then get sold to a company that then makes the jewelry. You see where I'm going with this? So there are just different industries that are probably better for Pinterest for advertisement purposes. Um, And these advertisements are called promoted pins. And uh, so, so this may be something to look at in the future. One thing I noticed was that the digital advertising market, it's growing very rapidly. As you might expect intuitively, it's growing fast. So it's expected to grow to $423 billion as a market by 2022. And based on the numbers today, that's about 12% annual growth. So the overall space is growing. And I think that Pinterest can capture a lot of that growth. One of the risks when looking at this business is that Pinterest relies on Amazon Web Services for hosting its servers. Some social media companies and some tech companies, they build out their own infrastructure of servers and host it on their own cloud, and then they control that whole system. Whereas others, Pinterest being one of them, depends on a third party to host all of their data. Now, Amazon, they're an amazing company, so they're a solid choice for this service that Pinterest needs. The thing is they're going to have to keep paying ongoing expenses over and over and over again in order for this to be managed by Amazon. Whereas in a self-built system, Pinterest would maybe incur higher costs up front, but the overall long-term maintenance would probably be lower. So this was an interesting choice by management. We'll see if that ended up being a good decision, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's one thing to keep in mind. It's a potential risk. Let's turn our attention to the, to the financials, at least the financials that are available. And again, with IPOs, there really isn't that much to go on as far as numbers. There are usually only a few years of data that are publicly released. So I went ahead and looked at that just to see what's going on with this. In 2016, Pinterest made $300 million in revenue In 2017, that was 472 million. And by 2018, that was 755 million. So we see over double the growth, over double the numbers in just two short years from 2016 to 2018. So this is massive growth. Again, this is what you would expect with a young tech IPO. You would expect this because if you didn't, then we'll see later like there's no there's not a lot of profit here so there's not wouldn't be a path to profitability if revenue wasn't growing quickly most likely the cost revenue has also grown so it's grown from 160 million to 241 million the thing I like about that is that the cost of revenue is growing slower than the revenue itself is growing which means that their margins are increasing that means profitability is inevitable Based on this trend, the R and D expenses are also trending in the same direction. The company spends about the same amount on R and D as they do for cost of revenue. And when I say cost of revenue, I mean things like those those hosting services that I talked about, things like mm, things like trying to uh, sales and marketing expenses in order to get companies to advertise on their platform. Those are very big expenses. Now, the R&D, those are things like trying to uh, come up with better better programs, coming up with better technology in order to improve the product. So, that's R&D. So, R&D has increased from $167 million in 2016 all the way up to $251 million in 2018. And then there are some other expenses that are smaller. And... uh And actually, let me correct myself. The sales and marketing expenses are not part of the cost of revenue. Uh, That's a separate line item. So let's look at how much money this business is making. Well, in 2016, the loss from operations was actually $188 million. So they didn't make any money then. 2017, it was a negative $137 million. And in 2018, it was just negative $74 million. So, we can see Pinterest is not profitable yet, but they are quickly climbing their way out of the red into the black. So, this is something to watch. So, in 2018, Pinterest made negative 17 cents per share, but this is quickly going to change, I anticipate, in 2019. I think in 2019, it'll be profitable. As far as the balance sheet goes, Pinterest has over $627 million in cash and their working capital is $780 million. Now, when I say working capital, what does that mean? This is the amount of assets that are currently in the business, literally working for the business. The way that we calculate working capital is the current assets minus the current liabilities. And if you don't know what that is, current assets are simply the amount of things that the company owns that it could reasonably liquidate within a year or so. So this includes the cash it owns, some short-term investments that it owns, things like that. The current liabilities are just the opposite. These are things that the company owes within about a year or so. So maybe not the long-term debt, but maybe the portion of debt that is going to be owing in the next 12 months, etc. So current assets minus current liabilities gives us a picture of kind of the working net worth of the company that is being used to generate revenue. So that's an explanation of working capital. So $780 million there. Asset-wise, they have over a billion in assets and liabilities are just $281 million. One thing important to note, they have some conf- Con- yeah, <laughs> they have some convertible preferred stock in the value of 1.4 billion dollars. Now, this is going to re- result in large share dilution when converted, but it's going to reduce the debt. Let me explain what this is. So, this is convertible preferred stock. First of all, what is preferred stock? Preferred stock is an instrument that. It's kind of like a bond, but it's kind of not. (laughs) Let me explain this in a little bit more detail. Preferred shares are somewhere between common stock and bond in the capitalization structure. So let me frame it for you this way. If a company goes bankrupt, who gets paid first? Well, the bondholders have to get paid first because they have a legally binding contract when they paid for the bonds that any assets available upon liquidation would go to, will go to them. That is how bonds work. It's the safest form of giving money to a company in the sense that you own a piece of Of the company's assets when they liquidate so they get paid first if there's anything left then preferred shareholders so people who own preferred stock would then get paid next and then if there's anything left after that then the common stockholders would get paid last so the common stock that is what people usually mean when they say Shares of stock. They usually mean shares of common stock. Common stock is just that. It's the commonly available shares in the market. The shares that you and I most likely buy. The preferred shares are a different type of of security where if you have a company and you wanted to raise money, instead of me just outright buying equity from you, or outright lending you money, just like a bank would, maybe I would purchase some preferred shares. And the way that this works is I would buy the preferred shares and let's say they're convertible. So I would buy these securities from you and you would pay me interest or dividends on them, just like a bond. So say I would buy shares from you that are convertible for preferred shares that pay 8% dividends that are fixed. Okay, so that basically works just like a bond. But then I might say, hey, I want the option to convert these securities into common stock upon the IPO of the company. Okay, and and the company might agree to these terms because they're young, they want to have capital to grow their business. And so in order to entice investors they might offer this type of security. So you can see where this might be advantageous to an investor, right? If there's a young company out there and you want to get in earlier in their growth, say you're an angel investor or or a venture capital phase investor, you can say, hey, I want to receive some of the benefits now, aka get me that fixed dividend, just like a bond would pay out fixed interest. Let me get that fixed dividend up front. But then in addition to that, let me get the option to turn these preferred shares into common stock later down the line when conceivably the stock is more valuable. Think about Zoom technologies or Zoom communications. Think about Lyft. When these companies went public, their stock prices went up a lot at least on the day the first day of trading so if you wanted to you could convert those preferred shares in that moment and thereby realize a lot of gains so you can see where this is really advantageous right you're getting the benefits of a bond like you're lending company you're lending money to the company but then you're also participating on the upside potentially So this is an interesting type of security that I think is important to know if you're studying younger companies, because this can often be used as a financing instrument in order to get private investors into the deal, into the company, because they're getting paid now and they're having the potential of getting paid later. Companies are willing to do this because they need money now. They need money most when they're the youngest because they don't have that cash flow or that profit yet. So that is, hopefully that wasn't too uh, too long-winded or anything for you, but that is basically what convertible preferred shares are and why they're important. So Pinterest has this, a lot of convertible preferred shares on their balance sheet. I need to take a look at the company when they release their, their next quarterly statement, because I'll be interested to see if a lot of those convertible preferred shares do indeed get converted into equity. If so, the current number of shares on the market will get diluted from that. So that is something to keep in mind. So your earnings per share is not going to be as strong. If people exercise those options, So where's Pinterest at now, they are about at a $15 billion market cap. And the last time I checked, they were around $30 per share. So the capitalization structure is still shifting, it's, and also the business model is completely dependent on advertising. As we saw from the income statement, the growth is excellent, and I do believe it will show profits in fiscal 2019. That's the way it's trending. I've seen no reason for that growth to change. i see no reason for that trend to change, at least in the near term. The thing about Pinterest, though, is you're paying $30 a share for a company that makes less than $0 in in per share profits, and you have significant dilution that is potentially coming up as well. Uh, so I am staying away from this right now. I That's what I would do. Just because I think it's more speculation at this point to invest in a young tech startup that... Is probably going to be profitable, but not quite yet. And just the fact that we've been in good economic times for so long now, when a recession comes, and let me repeat this, a recession will come. It might, might not come for several more years. It might come tomorrow. I don't know. But somewhere in that time frame, a recession is going to come. And when recessions come, broader recessions, advertising budgets, you know what those do? They shrink. Advertising budgets shrink in recessions as a matter of course, because people just aren't buying as many things, especially physical products. So this is something to keep in mind with any business heavily reliance on an advertising model. So I think a lot of these social media companies, they may be good, more aggressive investments when times are bad, because these are the types of stocks that are going to go down the most during bad times because their business model is the most reliant on the thing that's hurting right now or during that time frame. So that's, that's one thing I would look at. I'm cautiously watching Pinterest right now. I think they have some strong, strong brand power and many people around the world clearly use them and they have this aura of positivity around their workflow and around their users, which I find attractive. I think that's indicative of a good culture. I just don't see paying this price now. I just, because times are good, uh, if you purchase shares in Pinterest right now, just be prepared for a wild ride when the next recession comes. That's, That's all I'll say. Just look at the history. If you look at the history of how social media companies performed during the recession... Uh, well, there weren't really any of the big guys right now. I guess that's maybe a good point. Uh, but if you look at how consumer-based and advertising-based companies performed during the recession, they, their profits just sank. And many of them recovered. But in that period of time, those stock prices sank with the earnings. And so that, that's something that I think you and I should be aware of. So those are my thoughts on Pinterest. I think it's an interesting company. I've used Pinterest a little bit myself just to familiarize myself with it. And yeah, it's a a cool website. It's a cool app. Uh, I don't know if I would incorporate it into my daily or weekly routine, but I can see the value for people working on specific projects on finding inspiration. So I do see some value there, but I am cautiously optimistic uh, just based on the numbers and based on the product. All right. That's what I got for you today. Thank you so much for listening to the stock stories podcast. And again, my name is Alex. I'm your host. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to chat. If you want to talk about stocks or whatever portfolio management, I love talking about this stuff, which should be obvious by now but you can reach out to me at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com or you can hit me up on Instagram. My Instagram is stockstories1, stockstories the number one. All right, I'll see you next week.